sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we are doing uh, Sullivan's Travels versus, uh, oh brother, Where Art Thou? I think that's how you say it. (laughs) I've never heard it said that way, but that's more like, oh brother, where art thou? Oh, you're right. That, That sounds more like what the filmmakers had in mind when they gave it that title. Um... Uh, have you been keeping up? So, so this week in Hannah, Montana, uh, I found out the rumor mill is is swirling and uh, whatever the, whatever rumor mills do, uh, roiling with with news that uh, that Hannah Montana's boyfriend might is like they're on the outs or her fiance, I guess it was. Uh, because of her performance at the VMAs, he found it apparently very distasteful, and I, I think maybe he didn't like her grinding up against uh, uh, Alan. No, not Alan Thick. Robin Thick. Um, Alan Thick, I think everyone would have enjoyed. Yeah, no, I, I think he would have been totally down for that. Um, so that's that's especially the... if it weren't Hannah Montana, but it was Kirk Cameron. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's somebody. Somebody make a YouTube video of that there's got to be there's got to be some footage of uh, Kurt Cameron twerking somewhere that you can, you know. I don't know how you do that that editing, but you can you can green screen it somehow, right? Just on your computer and uh, and put him up against Alan Thick. Oh, that's genius, Pat. Make it happen. Go forth and uh, multiply. So that that was this week in Hannah Montana. Um, I, I sure hope those two kids can work it out. So, so he was offended by what he did, what she did, or offended by how terrible her song was. It was very vague. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's probably heard enough of her music now that that he's immune to that. Uh, so, so he's already got a high threshold for crap. Um, so this must have, it, it must have really been bad. I still haven't seen it to uh, to make him think of of dumping the whole uh, engagement. Although uh, this is coming from Us Weekly, so, you know, take it with a thousand grains of salt. Do you mean U.S. Weekly? Oh, sorry, yes. It is is U.S. Weekly. It is uh, capitalized. No no periods, though, between the uh, letters. Well, it used to be U.S. Weekly and World Report, but they wanted to be quicker, so they took the period and the World Report out. Oh, yeah, make it zippier. And and now it's just uh, all Hannah Montana news. Yeah, I mean I'm sure that's keeping them in circulation. Good for them. I always thought, you know, time was too much crap, and uh, U.S. News and World Report was not enough crap. Newsweek was all right, um, and then everything just kind of turned to shit. So I guess it makes sense that U.S. News and World Report is now U.S. Weekly. All right, are we done with that? NTV Guide. So, uh, Sullivan's Travels. 1941. 1941, Preston Sturgis. The, uh... Preston Sturgis, who is a super-duper un- underrated writer-director. I, I don't think enough people from uh, nowadays know about him. Uh, yeah, his counterparts gonna... 
everybody knows Frank Capra and uh, who's the who's the um, it happened one night guy. Everyone knows about him. Who's I, apparently I don't since I don't remember his name. But John Preston Wu. Sergis doesn't uh, come up often enough. He's an early writer director because most most times back then it was either you had one job or the other, and he had a, a few films right in a row that were uh, popular and very good. Sullivan's Travels was at the time not popular, but uh, it got critical. It critical uh, liking it grew over the years, and it's it's very good. And it was released uh, same year as The Lady Eve, which I didn't know. Uh, I went... No, go ahead. Did uh, that happen? Was why did this one get held back, or did uh, Lady Eve get held back? Yeah, I don't I don't know, or I don't know if he just maybe shot two movies in one year. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I just was looking up his filmography and saw that. Uh, you and I saw the Lady Eve in a revival theater in L.A. a long time ago. Uh, oh, is that how I saw? I saw. I saw on videos. Lady Eve, the uh, Henry Fonda. Henry on Fonda. The yeah, Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's very good. Another very good film. I didn't remember seeing that with you. Sorry. Well, I. I mean, I, that's. That seems to be the effect I have on people. Didn't we see a Marx Brothers film in revival? Nope, we saw that at David's house. Oh, I have it all mixed up. This is all very inside baseball, I'm sure. I it's... thought we saw Soap at David's house. Must have watched that at... Uh... Oh, no, we watched Soap at uh, at on the uh, Mirror space station. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I always love that trip. Yeah, I, I have vague memories of it. I have so much vodka. Um, yeah, so Preston... Well, I think Preston Sturgis is known to... Like, well, I guess to film geeks and, uh, and you know, film school students and stuff. But, yeah, you're right. He's not a well-known name today. Um, and this movie, well, do you want to you wanna give a uh, synopsis of this one? It was your, this was your pick. And I haven't seen it in a long time. And before watching it, I re- kind of remembered the, a quick synopsis. The a director of light films wanted to do something uh, more... Uh, prestigious something that was not a comedy not a musical something that told about the human condition and his producers weren't happy about that because he was making a lot of money doing what he was doing but he insisted upon it and in order to learn more about the human condition he decided to dress as a as a tramp and travel across the united states and in his travels many things happened to convince him that at first he was convinced he could make the movie but then he got a real taste of what being an average guy was and then he decided to make comedies yeah that's i mean that's in a nutshell that's it so uh yeah it starts out when he's he's getting highfalutin he's made a lot of money for uh the studio and he's talking to the studio heads uh about about the new movie he wants to do oh brother where art thou is the title of that movie um and he's talking he's showing them like a cut of a scene which is basically just two guys fighting on top of a train but he's talking about the symbolism of it and how it means capital and labor are going to destroy each other and uh he wants to teach a moral lesson and he thinks it'll have social significance so he's all highfalutin and then they're like um well what do you know about about trouble and about the downtrodden and uh and he obviously doesn't he he went to prep school he says and and all this stuff so they're like you can't make a movie like this uh from your ivory tower and and so yeah he decides he's going to go uh live like the like the well not just the common man i guess the common man around the time of of the depression um like riding the rails and everything but really really poor so uh that's the gist and then he 
So he meets uh, he that scene where they convince him that he doesn't that he doesn't know, and they say, "Well, I was uh, selling newspapers when I was twelve 13, years old." It was, a, yeah. a, it was a great scene because when he leaves, they they said, well, "You idiot! You you made him leave us," and he's like, "You never sold newspapers." And uh, that's a really funny scene because they 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 make it sound like they grew up from from, from nothing, poverty, but right? But, but they the were... truth was that they were born with. Well, yes, they were just as full of shit as as they were accusing him of being for wanting to make this film. Um, that it was the best to me, the best scene in the movie, that whole opening uh, setup. And then and then it kind of uh, it didn't it didn't live up to I don't like I prefer the Lady Eve to this one. Um, this this one, it's good. This... I thought Veronica Lake was not a very strong actress. Oh, I thought the scenes, uh, be, especially the the uh, opening scenes when they were throwing uh, wisecracks at each other, were wonderful. I thought the scenes between them were really good. It, it kind of the dialogue felt... was good. She was very her reading was very flat, which which added a little something to it. But but then you saw that to me anyway, she couldn't. That the only reason she read it flat like that was because that was the range of her acting. Yeah, I, th- I think I, it fell off as the film went on, but in the beginning I thought our performance was good. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see what you're saying. It worked. It worked for that diner scene. So he he uh, goes out and, and then the studio um, decides that they're not going to let somebody who's made them so much money uh, just go out and be a hobo and possibly get killed or, or whatever. Uh, so they're going to follow him in a huge, uh, I don't know, Econoline um, trailer. I thought it was a bus, but yeah, I guess a bus, to, yeah, to turn into a trailer, yeah, yeah, with a, something a politician would have, would have ridden around, yeah, and they've got a chef and uh, the the humor. See, I I really like the Lady Eve. This one, things were like like we talked about at the beginning, um, was kind of very serious and high minded. Just the idea, not um, the idea of the whole thing, and then and then some of the slapstick I thought was you know that. He's watching a, the watching the scene where the bus goes out of control, I just said to my John's not liking this, with the with the chef's head going through the top of the roof and him going into the go kart with the kid. It was right, all the eggs spilling. Yeah, and then you know it was that, very very uh, silly humor. I thought it was funny, but I, I knew you wouldn't like it. Very Keystone Cops with the uh, speeding up the film to make everything yeah, go yeah. faster and uh, yeah, and then you know a lot of the a lot of the people being pushed or pulled into swimming pools and stuff like yes that yes. that kind of slapstick stuff it it was it was of the time maybe a little too much and and i didn't think it fit with the tone of the rest of the movie maybe so it was, it's a little jarring like when the humor is inserted uh, and it's so so like wacky slip on a banana peel humor um with with the theme of the movie you know what i'm saying i they cracked me up so i I went with it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. Even, even the, the obvious going to the swimming pool scene, th- that was funny to me. I, I saw it coming, and I still laughed when the, the last butler got uh, thrown into the water. Well, and th- those two butlers were, were very over-the-top characters, but I thought they worked in the, in the movie. No, they were great, actually. I thought I liked the butlers. And one of the butlers uh, was gave another great speech about why the guy shouldn't go out um, yeah, and yeah. try to be and, poor because this guy knew about actual poverty. Right, and he was telling the truth. He wasn't blowing smoke like the producers. He he was really there. Right, right. Um, yeah, so anyway, he goes out. Uh, he somehow... Oh, 
I know he hitches a uh, he loses the the bus the the bus crashes um, he ditches them and and then goes to work for some uh, old ladies who he ends up leaving after what seemed like one day yeah because yeah, there's a scene that I thought was jarring with the the changing uh, face of the the portrait of the portrait yeah so so he he's doing manual labor for these. I guess sisters. I don't really yeah, know. Sisters. One was one was a widow, and one the other was a widow. Like she was never married. And and uh, he's staying in in the the widow's dead husband's room, and there's a portrait of the dead husband on the wall, um, and the the expression on the portrait changes uh, according to what's happening in the scene. Yeah. So that's that's very like cartoon cartoon-like humor. Um, I actually didn't mind that. I thought, you know, that was... I, but I love cartoons. Um, but anyway, he ends up leaving there after a night because the widow obviously has eyes on him. And and there was a very uh, risque uh, uh, line in there. I don't know if you remember it because she's talking about how it's so hard to keep a man and blah, blah, blah. She's talking to her sister. And uh, finally she says, you know what I need? And the sister says, yes, I do. <laughs> I didn't remember that. But yeah, that that interplay between those was, was closer to the line than I would expect from a movie in 1941. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he ends up leaving, uh, hitches a ride with somebody, and ends up back in Hollywood. Exactly where he didn't want to be. Um, so he's been gone, what, like a day. He's been gone overnight. And there he... Yeah, I thought that was really funny when he came, got off the truck and he's like, where am I? Expecting to have go, gone on an adventure all by himself and he finds out, oh, Hollywood again. It's like he can't get away. So he goes into like a cable car diner and uh, there he meets Veronica Lake, uh, who plays a, a struggling actress who's given up on her dream because she's not making it. And um, they fall in together. Uh, she, she finds out that he is actually a big director because he's still dressed as a hobo. Um, and, and pool pushing into the pool ensues. Uh, they decide to go off and ride the rails together cause he still wants to, he still wants to go on with his experiment. And uh, she's insists on coming along. Right. Uh, so they do, we should mention he's married. He got married for tax purposes and, uh, the woman's a shrill harpy who's just taken him for all his money and they don't live together, but she won't divorce him. Uh, I assume they inserted that little bit in to make it clear that when the uh, Veronica Lake and um, I don't think Veronica Lake has a, a name in the in the movie. I think she's just a girl. When she and Sullivan are traveling, that they are not doing anything together since he's married. He makes it plainly clear that he's he's not going to do it like go off with her. Right, right. Uh, but she obviously has. She feelings. falls in love with him. Yeah, um, she has feelings for all. The, and and that wasn't really fleshed out uh very well but i guess it didn't really need to be uh in this kind of movie um so yeah they go they go ride the rails uh have hardships do they end up back in la again after that i can't even remember no they what happens is they end up in las vegas where the bus was waiting for him to show up right because right. he's so sick from hay fever and no that's a fun scene when they when they first started riding the rails in the and they're talking to the two hobos or tramps in in the car they got into, and they look at them and never say anything and just get out of the car. Well, the the uh, Sullivan, the main guy, uh, played by Joel McRae, we should mention, uh, says something like, "What do you think of the labor disputes or something?" And they just look at him and grunt and, and walk away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting, Joel McRae. I don't. I guess he he did a couple Preston Sturgis movies, and I don't know. 
other than that, what films he did. But I knew him from, he used to do an old-time radio show where he played a like a tough and rumble Texas Ranger. I, I, it was, I think it was called Adventures of the Texas Rangers. So that's how I the I knew the voice. So it was, it was very funny to see him in this. And I, uh, he was in another Presbyterian movie, I forget the name, but playing more of a, less of a tough character, more of a, just a, you know, a, a, a a comedic character yeah he was he was not uh especially comedic in this he was kind of basically the straight man uh he he did a good job he was a very solid actor um he was but not not really a tough tough character is what i what i mean when i'm yeah no what he played later in his career was more of a badass yeah and and uh no he was good he's obviously a uh an ivory ivory tower liberal uh, as as one of the butlers says theorists and uh, rich people who are usually theorists which is exactly what he is um he's got all these all these grand ideas about about uh it's very barton finkish in a way about you know showing the plight of the poor in this country and he is constantly talking about how humorous films um aren't people sick of these there's war and people are dying and and disease and depression and uh people need you know we need to address these things with film, blah, blah, blah. Um, and people keep telling him, well, that's not really what we want to go to the movies for. Um, but he, he won't listen. Uh, so, right. So they end up in Vegas and from there, uh, he goes to Kansas city. Yeah. In Vegas, they, they, he's very sick and yet they have to stay in the bus for a couple of days. And there's a, a, an odd scene where Veronica Lake's taking a shower and the, the other, a female reporter goes in and, talk store i just i just found that scene a little bit weird i think it was just to show veronica lake in the shower that was my <laughs> that was exactly what i got out of it uh who was pregnant during the entire filming of this was she yeah and preston sturgis the, the story i read preston sturgis had to be physically held back from her when he found that out because he didn't know before the film started so they had to be creative in their outfits oh no shit she was 19 uh when she well when this came out maybe 18 when she filmed it um and Joel McRae was 36, uh, so that that's always weird. They do that. I mean, to this day, they I didn't do that think she movies. looked that young though. I didn't think I didn't know she was that young in the making of this. No, they. I didn't either. Uh, not until I looked it up. I would have. I mean, I would have guessed 20s something. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, she, no, she was really young, and and that's something that, like I said, still goes on today in movies with much older guys and and younger women. Uh, whatever. I don't know. It's it's a little. It's a little off-putting sometimes, but um, when they're they're made to look a similar age, I don't mind it. But when it's like it's Harrison Ford and whoever was in that when, Hannah yeah, Montana, yeah, yeah, that's it's, uh, it's kind of awful. Of course, it's just like Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn in uh, whatever the name of that movie was. What Audrey and Audrey Hepburn? Yeah, the the movie that got remade with. Uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford. I have to look it up. I'm going to say oh, talk shit. about. It. I, I don't know how I'm not aware of this one, but it's. Right. Tr- it's uh, well, Bogart and Bacall too, right? Wasn't she much younger than he? Yeah, was she was it? much younger, but I think it was a little bit closer. Hepburn was way, way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, so anyway, they so he ends up riding the the bus because he's sick with him uh, all the way to Kansas City, and uh, and then lives amongst the poor there for a bit and then uh his big plan is to uh once the experiment's done it's his last night um 
you know, living in, they have a whole, a whole wordless montage of him and Veronica Lake, uh, like living in a flop house and, and, you know, eating meals in a soup kitchen and all this stuff. So, so you see that he's living the hard life and, and getting to see how, how these people live. And, uh, and then, so on his last night, he... Did you notice during that mo- montage when they're walking out on the river, holding hands, looking out towards the water, that there's a two feet hanging from the tree, unmentioned? No, I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> That's odd, odd touch. Like as if somebody hanged themselves. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. That's well. That's kind of. That's that's what it's the kind of dark he's dark combined with humor that he went for because I think he was trying to be funny but also showing that people were in dire straits. Right. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. No, I didn't notice that. Um. Anyway, so then he his plan after that he's going to go take a thousand dollars and five dollar bills and go uh, hand them out that night to. Uh, all the all the downtrodden people for helping him, you know, to be able to make this movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, that he wants to make, and and uh, so he goes out and does this, and uh, of course one of the one of the bums sees that he's just handing out money, and so he follows him, and uh, knocks him over the head, dumps him on a train, steals his money, and this bum uh, runs down the wait 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 the bum stole his shoes earlier in the flop house. That's the that was the only one of the few things i didn't like about the movie yeah the same person who stole his shoes happens to steal the money and gets killed because i mean and it gets killed so and when he gets killed people think it's uh solvin because inside the shoes was uh solvin's id right a very so, contrived so so yeah this so guy, it made more sense just to have him steal the shoes when he bumps him on the head but he stole the shoes earlier in the flop house right the right. first time solvin slept and you know, yes they had put id in sullivan's shoes in case uh in case anything happened to him uh, or he got arrested or whatever, people would know who he actually was since he was pretending to be a bum. Yeah, so this bum uh, steals the money, runs out on the railway tracks, is running away, and uh, drops a bunch of the cash. So he bends down to pick it up, and a train's coming and hits him and kills him. Um, so he's dead, and then everybody thinks it's Sullivan because they they find his ID in the shoes. Uh, Sullivan, meanwhile, is on a train... Uh, unconscious he wakes up uh somebody from the railroad yard starts fucking around with him beating him up a a bit not really beating him up but whacking him saying why are you riding you know you're riding the rails and and uh, get out of here and and sullivan uh, ends up hitting the dude in the head with a rock um and gets arrested and he doesn't quite remember who he is uh from from the beating he took from the bum so uh, at his trial, they sentenced him to six years uh, hard labor. It's ex- man, this is actually a pretty long. It was a pretty long movie, huh? Well, uh, didn't feel that long. It was probably like an hour and a half, I think. I, yeah, I guess. I guess it was. I think actually both of them were like 103 minutes. It felt longer. There was a lot of stuff crammed into it, I guess, into both yeah. of these movies. Um. Anyway, he ends up uh, 90 minutes. He ends up going to. Uh, going to jail, he's he's abused there. It's really hard conditions. He's put in like basically a uh, an upright coffin to that they call the sweat box. It's very narrow and and uh, oh, but they have uh, that dude. So there's there's this other dude, this character actor in it, uh, Jimmy Conlon. Do you know? He's like yeah, the, he's, the old he's man. He's been in a bunch of 
uh, Sturgis movies. The guy from the prison that was yes, friendly yes. towards him. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's great. He was like a Sturgis regular. Uh, so, but I I looked him up. He was only fifty seven when he made this movie. And <laughs> I would have guessed at least in his seventies. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, another Sturgis regular who was in this movie was uh, William D- D- Demarest. Demarest, yes, the, the great who, who we all know from My Three Sons, sons. Uh, yeah. people my age. Yeah, just the same, the same character in everything he did. I think Cranky, a wonderful character. He's always great. He's always enjoyable and funny, and Cranky with a with a heart of gold. Yep, every time he shows up, I'm I'm uh, I smile inside. Yeah, no, he was great as well in this uh, small part, but. But he's he's awesome. Uh, Jesus Christ! Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to like burn through this whole plot. Uh, anyway, ends up that he uh, he sees a paper where it says that he's dead um, because everybody thinks he's dead. So he confesses to the warden um, that he killed. I killed Sullivan. He's saying that he killed himself, basically. Well, before so. he before he does this, he they they take the the entire work a chain gang to a church. A black oh, church. You're right. Yes. To see a, a Mickey, to see a movie, and it turns out to be a Mickey Mouse cartoon. And I thought the the church scene was really interesting. The, the first, the opening with the with the the preacher saying, "Don't judge these people. Don't in any way. Don't act different towards them. Don't look towards them in a different way. Just treat them as your brothers, because we you without sin can't cast the first first stone." And it was a really great scene. The the his speech and them coming in just kind of. Uh, walking in the chain together to, to watch the movie with, with everyone, all the parishioners helping them in. It was a very touching scene. Yeah. And one of, one of the scenes that was actually done also in the actual, Oh brother, where art thou movie that we're going to talk about in a minute with a, uh, with prisoners from a chain gang coming in to watch a movie. Yeah. Uh, they took that, I'm sure uh, directly from this. Oh yeah. So yeah. So anyway, uh, and so yeah, he, they're watching the movie, and and Sullivan sees that everybody is really all these people who are, you know, the the black people who are obviously downtrodden and, at that time, and uh, and the prisoners are loving the shit out of the Mickey Mouse cartoon. They're cracking up, laughing, and and so he find he sees uh, the value of humor in film. Um, so yeah, so then he confesses to killing the guy, gets his face in the paper. Obviously, everybody in Hollywood finds out that it's him, and they get him off. Um, while while he was dead, or while he, they thought he was dead, his wife uh, married another man. So she, he's off the hook there. So he comes back, ends up living happily ever after with Veronica Lake, and decides he's not going to make. Oh, brother, where art thou? The serious picture, but is instead going to do a comedy because that's that's what, what people, people want. need. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Veronica Lake in this movie—you didn't like her. I thought she was mostly fine. Maybe in the end, she wasn't as good. But I think she's an actress that is more parodied than actually I've, in movies that we see nowadays. But if you watch cartoons like Looney Tunes, there is often a parody of her. So, so I think it. And for a short time, she was really extremely popular, especially her look. Yeah, no, so, I think she was a huge, huge star, yeah. But she's not in the kind of movies we watch now. I don't know what her other movies were. I mean, when I looked at the list, none of them, none of them jumped out at me. So it's, it, Yeah, same here. It is interesting to, to see her in something. And apparently she was hard to work with, uh, Joel McRae, uh, her, her next movie, which was somewhat popular. He refused to be in it because his, his quote is, just, that life is too short to work with and another movie with, with Veronica Lake. Wow. 
Well, I shit, I wouldn't want to hang out with some 19-year-old either. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed the uh, the Oh Brother Where Art Thou book that he yeah, was, was based a movie on. Was it Sinclair? Uh, Beckstein instead Beck of Steinbeck. Stein. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's little parody touches all it's over it. Upton Sinclair, Sinclair Lewis. Right. Sinclair. All all over. Uh, I fa- I found it a bit heavy-handed, uh, even though even though it kind of knew what, like it knew enough that this guy was kind of being pompous and what he was trying to do. I still found it a little, a little over the top with like basically what he was saying. He was trying to give a justification for why comedy movies mattered. Cause I'm sure uh, then as now they were seen as light entertainment, you know, never considered for awards and stuff. So that, I mean, which is, which is a, a noble, a noble thing to do, but I, I thought it was handled very, handled very uh, ham-handedly. Yeah, I could, I could see that. The, the scene with them laughing at the movie was, I don't think you get more over the top. No, it was. I mean, they looked, it, the laughter looked insane. It didn't look like they were enjoying themselves. It looks like they were actually going insane. The film was driving them over the edge. Yeah, yeah, it was too much, way too much. Um, but. Overall, decent. I I prefer some of Preston Sturgis's other stuff. I know this one, uh, it it had good ideas and it was, it was definitely smartly written. Although, as I said, mixed in with, with wild slapstick humor and physical humor. Um, but I, I prefer, like I said, the Lady Eve's probably my favorite of his. So maybe we can do that one, sometime. Um, I thought I thought it was okay. I don't think it it especially holds up as well as some other stuff from the period. You? I thought it held up pretty well. I, I enjoyed the whole thing. I, as I said, the only thing I didn't really enjoy was the, the portrait and the, the shoe, the shoe thing. But other than that, I thought, I thought it held up pretty well. It, it was it's something, you know, it's true today. Comedies are important. They are fun to watch and they make people feel better. So why complain about them? And some of them are actually well-written and they should get more credit. Yeah, maybe, I, not the, I, maybe not the Adam Sandler movies, but there's others that are. I mean, I enjoy those too, but on a different level. Yeah, I so I, I liked it. I uh, I thought the most of the performance was really good, and I I thought Joel, Joel McRae was very good in this, in in his part, and uh, the the all the the character actors were very good. So yeah, I thought it held up pretty well. Okay, uh, so I yeah I didn't I didn't hate it by any means. I just I just thought it was. It's been a while since I've seen The Lady Eve. I might have liked that better. I, I forget. I, I'm pretty sure I like The Miracle of Morgan's Creek better. Oh, but yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. And The Beautiful Blonde. I, I think haven't I seen it. Too. So uh, there's other Sturgis films that are probably better, but this one's still very good. Unfaithfully Yours. Unfaithfully. I've not seen that one, I don't think. Who's, is that another Barbara Stanwyck? I don't think so. It's been forever since I see. I think I want to say like Hume Cronin or somebody's in it, but huh. I, I might be mixing up with something else. I think he, I mean, Hume Cronin. I think is in a Miracle Morgan's Creek, which is a fun movie. So yeah, so it could be. Um, anyway. And there's some, something I always think about when I watch uh, movies from the 40s and 30s is how they treat black people. Just because sometimes it's it's unbearably embarrassing. Yes. And I thought that was going to be the case with this movie with the chef. And his head going through the thing, but it wasn't at all. The, it was the, the the tramps are integrated. There's there's black people that were waiting for that train as well as white people. And then they got the scene 
with with the church and I was I was amazed that that was in a movie from 1941 because it was it was very respectful it was it wasn't treating them as a joke at all it was I mean they were religious but it was not stereotypical it was a really nice scene no oh, yeah just decent people uh, the right. the cook may be a bit more of a caricature but he was he was also comic relief was his whole yeah, purpose for being yeah. in the movie so it's, but and when, I mean it's not and that wasn't the only black character so it wasn't right right. But you, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do, I do, yeah. So it's, I thought that was nicely done. Yes, I agree. Um, So yeah, Preston Sturgis is definitely a director to check out if you're, if you're all into um, old comedies. I would say uh, you probably know most of the other ones, but check him out. And uh, there's some interesting little trivia. I, I didn't know this, that apparently... He he'd written a few films and they were popular and he really wanted to direct so he wrote whatever his first film was I, I don't remember but he wrote it and then gave it to Paramount and said I'll I'll sell this to you for a dollar if you let me direct it and it, some stu- Wikipedia said they actually paid ten dollars which makes the story weird why didn't I guess ten dollars is more money back then but whatever he sold he really wanted to get into directing and that's how he did it I, yeah I'd heard that story too uh, it, who knows if it's true I mean. It is on Wikipedia, so you know. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like he was kind of a, a control freak, so he he kind of burned out quickly. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't last very long at all. Um, and then he died pretty early. I think he was maybe not not quite sixty. Huh. Yeah. 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 He's definitely he's definitely one to check out. You can you can find his stuff all over the place. Oh yeah, it's all yeah. available. Um. So, oh brother, where art thou? Thoughts, Pat. That was better than I remembered. It's, this is a, if you haven't seen this, you should go see it. it it's a very funny movie. The Coen Brothers writing in all their movies is is beautiful, but in this one, it's especially lyrical. It, they have, there's it, some scenes where it's just like they're not just talking; they're singing a song, and I'm not talking about all the all the all the awesome music in this movie. I'm talking about the actual dialogue with. With uh, there's there's repetition. There's really great interplay between the characters. Like there's one scene where uh, uh, George Clooney meets his daughters, and his daughter the, the dialogue the daughters have is wonderful. It's, it's great. Just, uh, it's just such a good movie. Everything, every line of dialogue out of George Clooney's mouth is great. Well, <laughs> yeah. Based on the Odyssey, so you know, I'm sure, um, I'm sure that was, I'm sure they read that uh, while the, uh, as they, they were doing it, and, and they, I'm sure that uh, was a huge Coen, inspiration. Coen Brothers never read the Odyssey. They didn't. No, that's one of the things they 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 mentioned a couple times is that they get they got all their uh, information about the Odyssey from pop culture just through the years. So they knew the basic story, but they never read the actual the actual story. Wow, that's even more impressive then. Yeah, and the uh, Delmar, the guy who plays Delmar, went to to college and got a classics degree. So he's the only one on the cast that actually read it. <laughs> and he was well, all around great acting in this one. Um, yeah, there's no, there is no, no sour points. Everybody was good in it. And speaking of what well, we were talking about, character actors from the last one, Charles Durning, in very this. good, awesome. playing his character from the Muppet movie, playing his playing every Charles, Charles Durning yeah. character in, in everything he ever did. R.I.P. Died last year. Uh, Stephen Root was very good. He was a little slapsticky, but it was still fun. It's still fine. Yes, playing a blind uh, radio station slash recording studio owner Um, and is he is he ever bad no i was just gonna say steven root's great in everything he does too the the coen brothers know actors um 
probably more than any other director I can think of. They, they're, they're awesome at picking actors, and they kind of have a stable of people they use um, here and there. John Turturro, of course. And uh, Tim Blake Nelson, I, I read a quote from him where he's like, I forget the exact words. I, I think he said Gorgons. The Coen brothers like Gorgons like me, uh, t- Brad Pitt and George Clooney accepted. So they, they like people with interesting faces. Interesting faces, for sure, yeah. And, and yeah, he's got that, and he's very good in it. Um, uh, as is, well, everybody. Everybody was good. Um, John Goodman, of course, another Coen Brothers semi-regular, plays the Cyclops, uh, Big Dan. Um, the uh, the cinematography, so I, I looked it up, uh, Roger Deakins is their, their cinematographer. I think he has been since uh, Miller's Crossing, up to... Up up to Miller's Crossing, they used Brian Sonnenfeld, or Barry Sonnenfeld, sorry, the uh, the director. went on to be director, yeah. Right, uh, and then after that, it was uh, Roger Deakins, and the cinematography, as in all their movies, is is amazing as well. Oh, the the color, it, it just struck me watching the movie how awesome it is. It's kind of a sepia. It's not quite color. It's a little bit off, and little, it's just wonderful. Yeah, a little dulled, yeah. And, and it fits the period perfectly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, and, it it really felt like a movie from them because it had the, the the music was thrown in just like those old movies where you'd have an Andrew Sisters in the middle of the movie just singing. It wasn't a musical, but they had a lot of music in it, and the comedy thrown in this kind of a drama slash comedy movie. And watching it, it felt like it felt like a Sturgis movie. It felt like a, a movie from that period. The the way they had that mixed together. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of very jokey scenes in it um mm-hmm. or or lines you know with uh with george clooney when they're when they're in the barn about to get burned down damn we're in a tight spot he oh that was funny repeats that over and over, over and over yeah i was going to mention that that's a very funny scene and i i watched the, on the dvd there's a little like 10 minute production feature and that talks to the Cohen brother talks to all the actors and the watching it struck me as kind of a comedy set like not set was obviously where it was set but comedy from that time period it didn't feel like from uh, year 2000 but uh watching the the coen brothers said we we set out to make a three studios movie with a bigger budget or a mom pa kettle movie with a bigger budget so and it really was a three studios movie when you think about how the characters acted with george clooney being the being the mo yep and, and the <laughs> other two are just kind of idiots yeah yeah and especially, especially what really made it feel like an old movie was the scene at the, there's a scene in the film where there's a Ku Klux Klan rally and they kind of happen upon it and they decide, they see the character they met earlier in the movie, uh, Thomas Johnson, a, a blues guitarist, is about to be lynched and they say, we've got to save him. So they look down and they see a Keller guard, which happens to be three guys and they said, we'll just replace them. So they just show them dragging the bodies into the, into the forest and they come out wearing the outfits. And that yep. was, that's such a trope from the, from 1930s movies where they just, replace people use, just using outfits and it was very well done yeah extremely well the coen brothers are obviously know the history of film and have used it uh many times some of these tropes in in ways that make them seem new um yeah it's we i don't think we even need to go into the plot of this movie too much because I, I feel like a lot of people have seen this one yeah um, it's probably, that's probably true um, and if you haven't you should say it it's very good i i i told pat uh, before that it was my least favorite Coen Brothers movie, which is not saying that it's bad because I love all their stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it rewatching it, it, it jumped up a few notches. Um, the music, uh, musical director, T-Bone Burnett, same guy who does the music for Nashville, obviously, uh, knows his shit. So it's, it's <laughs> a bunch of great Americana 
music it, in it. The music is incredible. It's George Clooney is a, a terrific singer. And I'll I'll let people know uh, the the soundtrack is uh, five dollars on Amazon MP3 download. Oh, right that's now. great! I should yeah. get that. I, I think I have it already, but I should buy it again. It's so good. It won an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mean an Oscar? I think it won an Emmy. Whoa! You're thinking of Tony. Grammy? Oh, Grammy. Grammy. <laughs> Emmy. Emmy's what TV gets, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it won a Grammy. Sorry. It didn't win a Tony. And it deserved a Tony, but it didn't win a Grammy for Album of the Year. They, uh, they, they also mixed in some real-life people and, and kind of played loose with the facts on, on their lives. Tommy Johnson was a real blues guitarist. Uh, Who uh, sold his soul to the devil? Sold his soul as as all old black blues guitarists did. Just went down. I didn't know that. I thought they they made up a new character when I first saw this. I did not know Tommy Johnson was a a real blues guitarist. I thought they were talking about Robert Johnson. I I had thought that too. Yeah, but then it turned out that Robert Johnson just wrote a a song about Thomas Johnson, and people just started talking about it because Robert Johnson ended up being more famous, uh, applying the story to him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Babyface Nelson. Also, is it who, who was also great? Shit, I, I didn't, I don't know that actor's name, although I recognize him from a ton of shit. Um, yeah, he, he, I don't know what he's been in, but he was very funny. He played, he played Babyface Nelson as, I guess, bipolar. Yeah, <laughs> bipolar and very unhappy about the nickname. Yes, that, yeah, that set him off on a, on a uh, shame spiral when they're robbing a bank and. Uh, and some lady in in the bank, some old woman whispers, "That's Babyface Nelson," and and he just goes off, and then and then he's done, yeah. But then at the end, he's uh he's back on a high when uh when they catch him and they're gonna send him to the electric chair, and he's so excited about uh lightning bolts shooting out of his fingers yeah. and everything. <laughs> he's he's back on, and then uh, a a Delmar says he's he's back on the top again. So it's it's the the basic story is these guys uh escape from a chain gang uh george clooney tells them that uh he's got a bunch of money buried somewhere from a a bank uh an armored truck job he pulled uh and when it turns out in reality he just wants to get back to his wife because he knows she's gonna marry uh holly hunter also always good um yeah and it's a very small role but she kind of stole I mean, she's a big part of what you think about the movie because she was so good in it. She, yeah, she's excellent. Um, he wants to get back to her because she's about to marry somebody else. Uh, so it's their travels uh, along this road. They one of the greatest scenes. John Tatour is awesome, and he and it's great. He first uh, they go to his cousin, and his cousin rats them out. And when they're out, out get away from the cousin, it turned out that. Uh, Everett George Clooney's character had stolen a watch from his cousin, and he's like, "This saves the day. We can we can sell this and get something for it." And Totoro is so mad that he stole from his kin, even after he had ratted them out. He's like, uh, yeah. "You didn't know he was going to ride us out when you stole that." Uh, <laughs> and then and later then in the movie, George Clooney has a great line um, about that too, because he's um, he said that because yeah, John Turturro's like, "Well, it doesn't make any sense. You didn't know he was going to going to steal that." watch and and george clooney's like well maybe i I, then i was just borrowing it uh until he found out if he was going to turn us in and and john turturro says that doesn't make any sense george clooney says uh it's a fool who looks for logic in the chambers of the human heart which is a ridiculous (laughs) thing to say about stealing the watch but it shuts him up (laughs) sorry go uh, ahead later in the movie uh, turturro had uh had uh, he was being threatened of, of being hung 
because uh, he was caught back by the chain gang if he didn't tell them where the other two were going. And he gets back with them. And they, they, they helped him escape again. And he, he apologizes like, oh, thank you so much for, for, for giving me. And he gives him a hug. And Clooney, Clooney, that's when Clooney admits that there was no money. And the, the, how fast Arturo went from being apologetic to being angry was just like the other scene. It was just so funny. And because that's when he says, I only, I only had two weeks left on my sentence and you made me go. Right. That was great. I only had two weeks left on my sentence. Now, um, I won't get out until 80, 1987. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Delmar says 1987. He's like, I guess I guess uh, and I'll be 84 Turturro says, and Delmar says, I'll have 50 years too, but I'll only be 82. Like that's such a big difference. Yeah. It's the, the humor is see, it's, it's, Similar in tone to uh, to Sullivan's travels, the the kind of humor, but it works better here. They, I, I don't know why. For me, anyway. Um, yeah, I, well, I agree. I think Oh Brother Where Art Thou is a better movie. I think it's it's just more put together and had had a bigger uh, budget. Yeah, but for it was. Sure. It, it, uh, but the acting is all so good. It, it, I mean, and the Coen Brothers are just the top of their game, and yeah, everything's good. <laughs> The, yeah, there's a, a point where they meet uh, the muses uh, who who seduce them and, and then uh, knock them out with uh, alcohol, basically. And then they, John Turturro's clothes are there, but he's gone. And uh, they see something beaten underneath the clothes, and, and uh, Del Mar thinks it's, it's... He said they left his heart, but it turns out to be a toad, so uh, he believes that they turned John Turturro into a toad. And Everett, George Clooney's character, for most of the movie, he's very uh, logical and doesn't believe in any very of that. Very skeptical, stuff. yeah. But it, it, he's convinced that, that he turned into a toad, too, eventually. After, after a while, yeah, because at he's, first he's like, I don't, I don't think that's him. Well, I can't remember the character's name. But then then he says, uh, they're in the car, and he's convinced. He's like, even if it was him, it's his fault for giving in to fornication. And Delmar says, we were going to fornicate, too. Yeah, yeah. Right when the waitress shows up, which is, yeah, it's it's... It's what you expect, but it's still funny. But the funniest line in the whole thing has to do with the toad. When uh, they're at the movie theater, and then the chain gang comes in, and John yeah. Turturro's character is is there. He'd been recaptured. He's part of the chain gang, and uh, Delmar says to him, "We thought you was a toad." <laughs> and Turturro's face—it's <laughs> just so funny. His reaction to it—it's like because he's the just hell? uncomprehending. Yeah. And that's yeah. So the, that scene was was uh, directly from. Uh, Sullivan's travels and the scene in the beginning when they jump on on the uh, the train and all the old men are just staring at them reminded me a lot of the scene when Veronica Lake and uh, Sullivan jump on the scene and the tramps just walk out on them and the scene where the kid saves them in the car the, the yes yeah that happens in both movies yeah I, I mean Ryan, yeah it's very reminiscent so there's there's a lot of scenes I mean the movie itself is well, I think they were try- they're going for this is a movie Sullivan would have made, but they just took some of the scenes right out of it. So I thought that was awesome. Right. I mean, and the inspiration is obvious from the title of the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But if you hadn't seen Sullivan's Travels, you would have no idea about all these uh, all these homages and and callbacks to it. But I mean, it's it's brilliant because they're making the movie tr- Sullivan would have made. So he went through this stuff. He got picked up by the kid. And he's like, "Oh, well, I'll put that in the movie. I'm going to be in." So it's just really funny. Yeah, no, it's the they can the Coen Brothers can do no wrong in my book, um, and everything about this was was really I, I like when they were sitting around talking uh, about what they were going to do with the money when they still thought that George Clooney had a bunch of money buried, 
and uh, John Turturro's character says he's going to open up a restaurant and be the Mater <laughs> D. Yeah, yeah, that's his his goal is to become the Mater D, not the nothing else, just so he can wear a tuxedo. Yeah, to tell people where to sit. Yeah, there there are a million a million good lines and scenes. Uh, like I said, George George Clooney's lines are all almost poetry. Um, it's yeah, the everybody. Well, why wouldn't you have seen this movie by now? There's everything about it's great, uh, from the music to the cinematography to the acting. How about the? the uh, sorry to interrupt, but the they are they're singing in front of the audience. It's a it's the, the, near the end of the movie, and the dancing done by Totoro, Tim Blake Nelson, and Clooney is so funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, that whole scene is awesome. I mean, uh, Totoro, the the uh, Tim Blake Nelson sings his own song when he, they sing in the jailhouse. That's him singing. Turturro, I don't know who it is, but it's obviously not him. So that makes that scene even funnier. But when when Tim Blake Nelson, when Delmar is singing, and you see Turturro in the background dancing, it is really really funny. And then um, uh, they, uh, Clooney starts singing "Man of Constant Sorrow." Whoever really singing, it's not him. Uh, the dancing he does is just as good. Just it does, he doesn't move his arms at all; it's just his legs. It's just really funny stuff. Yeah, it's it's great all around. They they hit every note, and they. Well, I mean, that's why they're so great. They think of things uh, other directors wouldn't even wouldn't even imagine. I think. Um, and is this before Clooney uh, went, got big as a, a, a dramatic actor? This is at the beginning of his his rebound, right? It's a couple of years after Batman. It's before he did any of his own directing. It was when he was he started to sell himself as yeah, a, yeah. Because I think it was after Three Kings, but it was before he was really n- known. So it's, this is one of the one, movies that made him uh, as a comeback. Yeah, well, I mean, very I, think, good in it. I think he was a big star, um, but he from was from ER. Yeah, but he wasn't like stratosphere level. Um, well, I don't. I mean, he was a big, always a big star, but he was kind of a joke after Batman. So he had to do some dramatic roles to kind of get him back into Oscar consideration and more of he was more of a superstar like he is now. Like the same thing Affleck did. Clooney had to go right. through the same well, thing. Well, yeah, but and I don't know. I I always admire. I don't. I don't know why anybody would say anything bad about George Clooney because there are very few actors of that level who use their fame to do good things uh, with film. I mean, uh, right? Yeah, and make make important films. You know, like just like uh, Sullivan wanted to make, but George Clooney actually does it, and they're they're entertaining. And uh, I have to applaud him for that. Uh, he wasn't always a big star, though, Pat, because I don't think Facts of Life. Uh, was was stratosphere level stardom for him but i disagree nor was the first er which he also starred in no periods yeah yeah that's how you can tell them apart well that's one way um that's the only way they're pretty much the same show yeah they're exactly the same show um this movie's just just great i you see every coen brothers movie if you haven't if you haven't seen them all if you haven't finished them up just just go see them um, Miller's Crossing is my personal favorite, uh, also with John Turturro, but, you know, you could say whatever is your favorite Coen Brothers Which movie. is Miller's Crossing is also, is also a remake, right? Uh, it's based on The Glass Key by Dashiell Hammett. Right. That's, yeah. it's a very good movie. I, well, uh, yeah, I, it's, w- watching Blood Simple is tough. It's a, it's a good movie, but it, it, it's before they really got. It's their to, first to be film. The Coen Brothers. Yeah. Uh, but it's still an interesting, uh, what is it, 85, I think? Somewhere around there. Uh, 
uh, an updated noir, which was kind of a a big thing coming back in the eighties. But it was yeah. very stylish, and you know, I think so. did Raimi have something to do with that one, or was it later they they started to work together? I think he might have. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, we're both on the computer, and we could easily look all this stuff up. But oh, by the way, Sabrina was the movie with Humphrey Bogart. Sabrina. And, so, oh, okay. Never saw uh, it. Nineteen fifty four. It's kind of weird it, but it, it brought all uh, audrey hepburn didn't care for her love scenes with humphrey book i remember a quote something like his mouth is so dry as was the rest of his body dude was old enough to be her grandfather um yeah i i don't know i don't have i don't have a lot to say about this we don't like i said we don't need to go into the plot so much uh just, do you know the guy who played Tommy Johnson? Did, I, he looked familiar to me, but I didn't look him up, so I don't know what else he was in. I don't know. I think he's a, a, a musician. Uh, oh, all right. Speaking of musicians, those, uh, like you said, his daughters, uh, George Clooney's daughters, who were very young, um, young girls, they were very good singers as well as very good actors. Uh, they weren't the, 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 the girls were not the ones who sang. sang. Oh, okay. See, that was one I couldn't. Like with George Clooney singing, and as you said, John Turturro, the the lip syncing was very obvious. Right, um, and the voice didn't sound anything similar. The there's a apparently there's a documentary about the actual girls who sang. Was, I think it was called the Harmonies, Harmony, something like that. And they in the documentary they say uh, they they weren't pathetic looking enough to play the girls. So that's that's what the reason they were given for not being in the movie. Uh, uh, the guy the guy played. Thomas Johnson's Chris Thomas King, who was in The Soul of a Man, a Wim, Wim, Wim Wenders movie. Oh, I didn't see that. So, yeah, I don't know where, where I recognize him from. Oh. But he's a, a, a pioneer of rap blues fusion. All right. Well, keep on doing your thing, man. Um, oh, he's in Treme, too. That's probably where you know him Treme, from. Treme, that's got to be where I know him from. Um, all right. So, what? any, any last thoughts on Oh Brother? Let me see. I think we talked about everything I wanted to talk about. The color was awesome. The dancing. Yeah, that's about it. Sorry, I'm choking on something. Give me a second. Oh, I know. <coughs> <you're choking on. laughs> um, all right. So uh, what do we got going on, Pat? Uh, next week we're doing broadcast news versus network. Yeah. Other finally. way around. Yeah, it was supposed to be this week, but uh, you convinced me to do this or I convinced you. And anything, uh, let's see, is anything going on in the news? I haven't been paying attention much. Not really. I mean, it's a really boring time in America. The government's just kind of sitting around doing nothing. That's, that's, that's what they do. That's what we pay them for. Uh, Bunch wah, of fat wah. cats. Uh, I, I think to... there's something about uh, that Apple thing, Siri, that Congress is talking about. Congress is talking about Siri? I'm pretty sure I read that. They're voting on something with Siri, maybe going to ban it. Or, you oh, know, I, don't oh know I thought you were, they were like asking her advice on how to vote. They're always that. getting their hands into something, but they're voting about Siri. Why would they ban Siri? Who knows? That's all I saw. I just saw the headline, or I heard it. Congress voting on what to do about Siri or Siri. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're just trying to prevent Siri from being able to get abortions or something. I don't no, know. How, that's true. I don't know how they could ban Siri. That seems bizarre. And uh, arbitrary. They're saying something about Siri doing chemical warfare, but that really doesn't make any sense. 
Oh yeah, I did hear Siri was doing chemical warfare. I don't yeah, I don't know how that works through a phone. Um, Me neither. But they're always after Apple. Yeah. That's the way it is. They love Microsoft, hate Apple. Bill Gates got them in his pocket. Well, you know, Apple's not Apple's not making the effort to give back to the poor. That's true. I mean, except for the the factory workers it's employing in China. Well, the ones who live. Right, right. But, but that's a form of giving back. Well, that's true. So, and yeah. then they took it away but they, when they decided to make some of their stuff in America. They ruin everything. Yeah, I don't... What, what's your problem with Siri? Yeah, I, I did hear Obama talking briefly about Siri and how something had to be done, but... Uh, yeah, it, it, it seems like they should just keep their hands off. It all seems so weird. I mean, is that why they got rid of that uh, little paperclip on Microsoft Word, too? Was that Congress? Must have been. Yeah, it must have gotten... I, oh, this is too... This is too much. This is turning the uh, world into automatons. They're just uh, Luddites. Yeah. Come on, Congress. Get with it. Yeah. Oh, know. I know what I wanted to talk about. Are you... What What, what are you going to be doing tomorrow night at 11 o'clock? Tomorrow... All right. Tomorrow night... 11 o'clock p.m. Tomorrow night will be Monday, September something, uh, 9th at 11 o'clock. All right. I'm stumped. I, I was probably planning on uh, on crying myself to sleep and, and um, you know, having those thoughts come through my head about what a uh, what a failure and what a sham I am. And I, hopefully nobody ever finds out what a huge liar and how full of shit I am. And then drifting off to sleep and uh, dreaming of being raped. Like I do every Lay night. Lay that but, plan. Okay. Because tomorrow night... Check your local listings, but tomorrow night, 11 o'clock, Arsenio Hall returns to television with the talk show. Oh, I'm all over it. Arsenio I, Hall and his giant index fingers. You're the second person that said that when I said he was returning. I think it must have been like in Living Color or something. That somebody did like some... Oh, I know. it was. I think it was like Dana Carvey on SNL, and he had like giant... Anyway, doesn't matter. So yes, I am going to be watching that to see see what it's like. I actually was I enjoyed the show when I was a kid, so it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't actually watch any of the talk shows on a regular basis, but I I will try to watch the first week of Arsenio Hall to see see what he's like. You know, I'm just as long as it doesn't uh, preempt my uh, Thirty Rock reruns that are on late at night or Seinfeld, maybe I'll give it a try. I was never a huge fan. Um, I don't know, that dog pound shit. Woof, 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 woof. No, 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 no. The the actual dog pound he ran out of his Oh, home. that was him? Yeah. That's a, that's, I mean, I, I don't know why you'd have a problem with that. Dogs need to have some place to go when they do bad things. No, but I know, but he, he would just feed them pizza and uh, and and Perrier. I, I just thought it was a little, I thought it was oh, a little gauche. You thought he was treating them too nicely. A little too nicely for dogs in a pound. They're yeah. never going to want to leave and, and go with a normal family after that. That's well, When you're Arsenio Hall, you can't run a half Alpo pound. You're not going to feed the dogs Alpo if you're Arsenio Hall. You feed them pizza, feed them steak, Perrier, not regular water. That's not his way. No, the, yeah, he doesn't want them to get a ringworm. I don't even know what ringworm is. I'm sure you can't get it from drinking water uh, if you're a but dog. But you definitely, you definitely can't get it from drinking Perrier. No, no, for sure. 
I think that's right on the label. Um, have you seen that Arsherio Paul show? I've just heard uh, yeah, Paul Shear talk about it, but I haven't seen it. It's good? Yeah, it's, I mean, in small doses. I, it's pretty funny, though. He does, It's just an exact, it's just him in the kind of the high hair doing the exact words from Arsenio Hall interviews. And then they'll have a guest just doing the words from the, I think they had a woman come on doing Andrew Dice Clay, uh, the lady from NTSSVSDU. Oh yeah. I think that's his wife maybe, right? Oh, I didn't know that. June Diane Raphael. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that was his wife, but she came on as Andrew Dice Clay and it was, it was pretty funny. It's, but it bothers me because I watch it and I, they don't, they, they say they take exactly the same, but they don't. They, they cut parts out to make it funnier. So I had to track down the actual Arsenio interview and watch that. And I'm just like, this is too much work. So but, if you're obsessive like me, you might not enjoy it, but it is funny. But it is rewarding work watching the original Arsenio. I would imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Watching Andrew Dice Clay do an interview. Of, it's, it's the best. That is a bizarre interview. Of, I mean, watching the, uh, Oh, was that the one where he cried? I, I don't know if he cried, but he, he was really upset about his critics. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it, the the way he talked is like, I'm just playing a character. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. And, and Arsenio Hall was taking him so seriously. Just, everything was so serious. This is a very odd interview. Yeah, well, Arsenio Hall was like the Natalie Merchant of late night talk show hosts. He's very, uh, very sincere. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's going to be interesting what he's like now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to guess um, half as funny, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> you can't get half a zero. Oh, but nobody had a... I thought you were going to do the drum thing for me. But I'm bum Too late. Well, uh, yeah, I get... Okay, Arsenio Hall. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can review that. That would be, that would be a good one. Uh, review, the, review the new Arsenio Hall. Compare it to something that's been on for... Forever. Oh, we don't have... We can just put in a bonus episode. We don't have to compare stuff in a bonus episode. That's true. So much easier. Uh, I'm still a little upset about this Siri thing. You know, I say Mac users uh, take to the streets or to the internet, as is more your want. And uh, iPhone make, users, yeah, make your voices heard somehow. Protect you know, they, Siri from the Congress trying to do whatever they want to do to it. It's disgusting. Yeah, how much chemical weapons could be coming out of your iPhone anyway? Let, let's not be alarmist about this. There's probably just trace amounts in the battery um, that would leak through, but I think you're all going to be fine. But here's an odd fact I, I'm not quite sure about. Apparently, one of Siri's protectors is Russia. Why they want to protect them, I'm not sure. Isn't there like a Apple version? I mean, a Russian version of Apple that they'd rather have have big on the, the international scene? But no, Russia is like, no, don't do anything to Siri. We like Siri. Well, We're Russia, fans of Siri. Russia is very close to China, uh, where all these things are manufactured. Ah. So maybe they're getting they're getting it on the on the cheap, um, which I would imagine Russian ha- Russia has to get everything on the cheap. Um, maybe it has something to do with that, or maybe they just like Siri's tone of voice because it reminds them of uh, the dictator's past, and and just dealing with bureaucrats all the time, you know. Yeah. yeah. Siri, can you tell me where the nearest bathroom is? I'm sorry. Did you say where the nearest rag room ring? No, Siri, not where the nearest vacuum is, the nearest bathroom. You know, that that's probably pretty much Cold War just dealing with people on the streets every day, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. The whole thing's the whole thing's sickening to me. Going yeah, after I... poor a poor defenseless uh, second ran such as Apple. 
Yeah, and, I don't understand it. And Siri, who's never done anything and has actually helped people like uh, John Malkovich and uh, the new girl, judging from the commercials that I saw. And Martin Scorsese. And Martin Scorsese. Look, look, the new girl could not figure out what the weather was like outside, even though she was standing at the window. So she asked Siri what the weather was like. Now, so Siri you know what? is a I tool bet, for I, dumb people. And I don't. I don't have any problem with with the new girl, but I think maybe as a present, I might send her uh, one of those rocks that you put in the window, and it has a sign above it that says, "If this rock is wet, that means it's raining." The very hilarious folk folk art that you can buy in uh, stands at uh, various places where grandmothers go. That is quite hilarious, but I, I I'm just guessing by that commercial that she's probably not able to read. And that's why she's using Siri to find out what the weather's like. Oh, okay. It's a it'd be a good Siri would be a good tool for turkeys so they don't uh, look up and drown. Congress, get your shit together. John, did you know Turkey was also a country? So you might have offended those people there. I would uh, would behoove you to apologize. Turkey, you may go fuck yourselves, as may all our listeners. And but especially the ones from Turkey. Yeah, I, I don't see that as a bad thing. I think fucking yourself is, can be quite beautiful. If you're on the right drugs. Uh, yeah. That's, let, let's get off Siri, because, you know, it's just it's just upsetting me. So, Arsenio Hall show, 11 o'clock tomorrow. Set your calendars. Uh, of course, by the time you Siri. listen to this, Arsenio Hall might have might be canceled. Might be canceled. Like Chevy Chase show. Yeah. But, but I doubt it. Most it's on like the CW, right? So it's on the Urban Channel. The Urban Dude, I was watching. Uh, so we get like I like I said, I don't have cable, but all of a sudden there's all these channels popping up um, that are like I don't know what you call them, retro channels and stuff. So there's there's this one that's a black channel. And uh, last night, as I was drifting off to sleep, uh, I was I was lulled by the sound and images of Scream Blackula Scream. <laughs> so I am down for that channel, and they uh, like at Sunday or Saturday, Sunday morning at 3 a.m. They show old episodes of Soul Train. So I've got a couple of those queued up on the DVR. Um, there's another channel that's showing like Barney Miller and and shit like that. Anyway, it's a great time to be alive. That's all I'm saying. Do you remember there was a talk show host during the 80s? Not Arsenio Hall, but another. I, th- I think it was Byron Allen, something like that. Oh, he's horrible. Yeah. He is producing a show now about a, a black president and his family and the, and, and the antics they get up to. Oh, is he producing this show in the 1990s when that was like a thing? It is a bad show. I watched it. Was, it was on and I watched a little bit of it and I couldn't wait to turn the TV on. Oh, uh, Jack A plays the, the president's mother. Oh, now see, in, in my biopic, I want Jack A to play me. Well, that's a perfect choice for you, but I don't think she's a good choice for the president's mother. Oh, the president's mother? She's not old enough to be the president's mother. I don't uh, know. How's Jack Hay looking these days? I don't think there will ever be a day where you can say Jack Hay doesn't look good. No, I think she looks in the mirror and, and I don't know. Did she ever have a catchphrase? I was I, I was just going to do something completely racist. but I was, She'd be like, you fine! I, I, I thought she had kissed my grits. Oh, you're right. Kiss my yeah. When when she was on Alice, right? Kiss my grits, dig bat. It was late late season. 
Yeah, yeah. She was she was a late add-on to the show. Was trying uh, to catch more audience. They, it was she came on and she had a little boy, who also had a catchphrase, and they kind of it was like battling catchphrases. What was it his was catchphrase? After, after Mel had died, uh, uh, two pancakes ain't enough. Oh, Whitey. that's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Whitey. Oh yeah, Whitey, on the end. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, she she lived above the diner with Marla Gibbs in that in that season, I think. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, good times. That's probably on one of those retro channels now. Good times is a different show. Oh, it, uh, see, I know. See, I, and all those shows seem alike to me. Now you're sounding uh, racist. Ah, uh, yeah. You weren't before, but now oh, you are. Ah, uh, it's kind of painful to admit to myself. All right, I think we've done enough good here for today. Um, As what? As do I. So next week will be Network vs. Broadcast News. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, really, we love you people. Now we've got some, uh, we've got some, some very primitive uh, analytics. So we're seeing who's downloading. So don't try to lie to me, friends, and, and tell me you're downloading. Because we can see. Um, and to all the shit-talking we just did about China, uh, we do have somebody who's been downloading from China. So uh, you're the exception there. And when he says we, he means he, because I love China. Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I'll have nothing to do with that country. Um, I hate Turkey, but I love China. And then when I say Turkey, I mean the meat. puts me right to sleep. But yeah. not because of that chemical, just because it's kind of a boring meat. Yeah, no, China... No zest to it. China, until you, until you either give Tibet back or take Nepal over, you're, you're dead to me. All right. Uh, so until next time, everybody like us on Facebook, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com and enjoy the show that you just listened to. Yeah. And, uh, and picture us sometimes when you're, when you're alone in the bathroom and I think you know what I'm talking about, um, taking a dump. Uh, so until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Constant sorrow all through his days. I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my
him sleeping in my grave While he is sleeping in his grave Maybe your friends think I'm just a stranger My face you never 